With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have the latest market outlook from Sask Wheat. Markets are affected by tensions between Russia and Ukraine. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau discusses farm mental health on Let's Talk Wednesday. We also have a feature on the Saskatchewan Polytechnic Survey on farm mental health supports. CN Rail says demand for biodiesel to run trains will rise dramatically in coming years. And we have the latest cattle market update from Saskatchewan Agriculture. The farm weather's in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. The latest Saskweed Outlook says grain markets remain volatile, but were moving up this past week. Market analyst Marlena Borsch with Mercantile Consulting says prices were boosted by uncertainties around a possible conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Here's a summary of what happened in the cash markets. Cash markets were thin, and in actual trades, we only saw Iran's government purchase 195,000 tons of milling wheat last Friday. The tonnage was purchased in three consignments of 65,000 tons. U.S. export sales at 380,000 tons were at the high end of expectations. We expect more business in the coming week. To continue, here are some of, the, of last week's major news in the wheat market by origin, starting with Canada. Cash prices in Saskatchewan were higher last week again, given the increase in futures prices. Basis levels were sideways to slightly lower. Although futures prices have dropped from the December highs, basis prices have helped to soften the decrease in futures on cash prices. Last Friday, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada released their January estimates for the 21-22 crop, along with their first 22-23 supply and demand estimates. For the 21 uh, wheat crop, imports were reduced by 100,000 tons to 200,000, feed use was decreased by an equal amount, and ending stocks were left at um, 3 million tons, which compares to 5 million tons the, the previous year. For the 22 crop, AFC expects seeded area to rise by 5% from last year to 7.6 million hectare. Yields were put at 3.4 tons per hectare, which is 28% more than last year. It's essentially the five-year average. Production is expected to increase 
to 25.6 million tons, which would be a 25% increase over last year. Low beginning stocks will cause total supply to be 19% higher than last year. Exports are expected up to 17 million tons next year, reflecting the increase in total supply. Ending stocks are expected to be 4 million, which is still almost a million less than the average. To continue on in terms of the markets, we expect the market to be supported by corn, but other than the unrest in Eastern Europe, there's little to prompt a sharp move higher. We would sell, if the markets move higher, um, we would sell two queers at 11.50 per bushel or better. Moving on to Durham. Although local bids have backed off somewhat, this has not been the case in the global market. Bids for Durham in France increased by $20 Canadian per ton last week. Bids in Italy rose by 10 bucks per ton, while prices in Spain fell by $7 a ton to Canadian 7.70 per ton. The International Grains Council put 21-22 Durham production in major exporting countries to 12.9 million tons, and exports were subsequently lowered to 6.1 million tons. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada estimated the 22-23 Durham area to be up 9% from last year, 2.45 million. That would leave next year's ending stocks at a projected 750,000 tons more than the previous year, which would be in line roughly with the 2021 levels. We recommended earlier that you finish old crop Durham sales. Prices could increase locally, but it will be hard for exporters to have a sustained program due to low stocks going forward. Moving on to the United States. Wheat futures were stronger, as mentioned, supported by a combination of tensions in Eastern Europe and support for the corn and feed grains markets. The drought in the US remains intact, and the winter wheat area under drought conditions improved only 1% from last week to 68%. Marlena Borsch compiles the weekly market report for the Wheat website. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau says Let's Talk Day is an opportunity to speak openly about mental health and work together to break the stigma. She says it's important to reach out for help when needed. And sometimes a simple act of listening can work wonders for someone under stress. She says farming can be demanding, draining and challenging, especially during a pandemic. Other issues include supply chain disruptions, weather and trade barriers. Babol pointed to a number of federal initiatives to support resources and offer a helping hand. She's encouraging farmers to reflect on mental health and continue the conversation year-round. More than 100 farmers and ranchers have participated in the Saskatchewan Polytechnic project to develop mental health programs that will be designed by ranchers and farmers for ranchers and farmers. The hour-long interviews were conducted by patient advisors like Sherry Laventure, who's a marketing specialist for Cargill. Laventure says this allows the producers to talk with those who have experience in agriculture. Where the people who have lived experience in farming, ranching and mental health are part of the team that decides where the research goes, follows along with some of the things that we follow up on, 
are more driven by me as a patient advisor and the other patient advisors, as well as the professionals, you know, the doctors, the PhDs, all those. LaVenture has a very personal reason for being involved in the Farmer and Rancher Mental Health Initiative, which is led by Michelle Pavlov, the SAS Polytechnic Research Chair for Rural Health. In 2015, I lost my brother to suicide. He too was a farmer. He did not uh, share with anybody his mental health struggles. He's very stoic, which I think a lot of uh, farmers and ranchers are. And so it was a, a big shock to our family. We are a very close family. I know lots of families will say the same thing, but my brother and I shared lots. So if I didn't know it, nobody knew it. So he kept that to himself. So I became passionate about the stigma around uh, mental health. And for that reason, when Michelle was looking for patient advisors, I reached out to her and said, yes, I'd like to be a part of the project. Coming up in Phase 2, the initiative will partner with the Massage Therapy Association of Saskatchewan to assess anxiety and depression with their farmer and rancher clients. You know, there's massage therapy clinics in most small little rural areas everywhere, and we know that farmers and ranchers, that's a service that they'll go to, right? They might not go to their family doctor and say they're struggling, but they go to their massage therapist for for massages. So we've partnered with them just to have them gauge the stress level of their clients and to let us know what they're seeing out there in the rural areas as well. We need to have a bulk of data once we're done this research project so that we can take the data and send it up the chain or to government officials or the health authority and say, this is what we're seeing and hearing. You know, farmers are telling us this. And this is what they'd like to see for support. Sherry LaVenture is an advisor to the Farmer and Rancher Mental Health Initiative. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your RealAgriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. We're now going to talk technology from the perspective of the farm. We're talking to Christian Hebert. He is the CEO of HGV Ventures, a, farm, a farming operation in Mooseman, Saskatchewan. Hey, Christian, how are you? Really good. How are you doing, Sean? Hey, man, I'm doing pretty good. Okay, so we I, I read a, a blog post that you put up in, in relation to things that ag tech companies must consider when it comes to trying to do business with the farm. And it's interesting because, you know, we've seen a lot of different models come out into the market. You know, some have succeeded. Many, many have have failed. F- from your perspective, what, what are some of the critical things that tech companies need to be considering as they try to commercialize their IP onto, at the farm gate? Yes, I mean, you know, I think I'd start out to say I'm, I'm, very positive ag tech and believe it's going to continue to change agriculture, even though I, I agree with you, many, many don't make the cut, right? And I think the first step I would probably go with, I kind of had a suggestion of a, of a creative payment plan for the first adopter farmers, because those are the ones that are really going to help you prove that your idea is actually going to work in the field, not just on a whiteboard or on a computer screen. And they're going to give you really good and honest feedback. And for that, you know, they shouldn't be paying full price, whether it's a discounted rate or in my mind, some sort of a stock option, et cetera, that they feel 
like they're part of the team to help move this company forward. It's a, it's a pretty critical step for that first little, you know, the first launch to make sure you're getting very good feedback, but also not just feedback in a criticism way, feedback in a way as in we want to make this better together. You know, one of the things I get really frustrated about is where we try to create closed systems where, you know, maybe one app or function doesn't talk to another and we, we're running in all these silos. And the reality is the farm's not like that. A farm is like an interconnected web of all these functions. The, the, the API part of this, which is, you know, the language that connects these different, uh, these different apps and things like software programs. I, 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 I'm with you. I, I, one of yours in the list here is open API systems. And I, I got to agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it, we don't want to have to open up 15 apps in the morning. We already have to open three or three to five, you know, the way we run the farm currently. And it's pretty frustrating that once a year, we basically have to go in and, you know, update our fields in every single app. Something as simple as your field number and your field name and the acres. Um, there's no reason that, that, you know, those minimal parts aren't API'd. Now, you know, I have received a bit of feedback that APIs can be expensive, et cetera. So I, I don't disagree with that. But my argument back would be some of the larger companies really need to step up to the plate and make these APIs somewhat reasonable for the smaller ag techs to deal with. Um, I think I think in the end, the farmers are the check writers, and the larger tech companies really need to start listening to them because it's making our life pretty frustrated on pretty frustrating in some of the areas. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Do, do you? Th what about the payment? Like you mentioned, the 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 schedule for early adopters, but there's a lot of per acre out there. Like you know, pay X per acre to use our tech. It, it is is that an old way of doing it? Are there better ways? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think on the on the business side of the tech industry, they love it, right? Because I mean, most of their multiples are on monthly reoccurring revenue or annual reoccurring revenue, and and if they show acre growth, um, it's pretty easy to map out Canadian acres and U.S. acres and show a really big market. My issue is, is you know, I believe you get paid for time and value, not necessarily acres. And and I know a lot of, call it 8, 10, 15, 20, 40,000 acre farms that are pretty tech savvy and have really good operating systems and probably are less work than some 2,500 acre farms that aren't as tech savvy. And so in that case... I think there's value provided both ways. I mean, these tech companies want these large, sophisticated farms. Um, but at the same time, we're, we're not going to pay per acre up till the end of day. You know, I, I'm fine with a per acre up to whatever it is, 2,500, 3,000 acres, because you have your base fixed costs and, and set up and training you need to do. But I do not believe that the, after that, that the payment should keep being per acre. It's got to get to a point where it hits a flat fee and, and doesn't continue after that. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Flurries and blowing snow in outlying areas. Wind northwest 60, gusting to 80, diminishing to 30 this afternoon. The high zero, which we have reached. 
the low minus 12 tonight. Wind chill minus 9 this evening and minus 19 overnight. Thursday, cloudy, winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high minus 8 tomorrow, the low minus 15. Friday, sunny, the high minus 7 and the low also minus 7. Saturday, sunny, the high minus 4, the low minus 9. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high minus 2, the low minus 10. Monday, cloudy with 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 6, the low minus 19. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 15. Normal high for this date is minus 10, the normal low is minus 22. The sun rose at 8.42 this morning, it sets at 5.40 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Outlook at plus 1. The cold spot up north, Collins Bay at minus 17. Estevan is minus 1, Saskatoon 0, Swift Current minus 1, Weyburn 0, Yorkton is minus 2. In Regina with flurries and blowing snow, it's 0. That's 32 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north-northwest, 64, gusting to 78. The wind chill right now, minus 9. Humidity is 81%. The barometer rising, 100.8. Cloudy in Moose Jaw, plus 1. Winds are from the west-northwest, 50, gusting to 61. Once again, Regina flurries and blowing snow. It's zero. That's 32 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. CN Rail's latest Grain Insight podcast points to massive demand for biodiesel in coming years. The podcast outlines business efforts to reduce greenhouse gases and points to the fuel efficiency of railways over trucks as a key factor. Janet Drysdale is the Vice President of Sustainability at CN Rail. By shifting long-haul shipments from truck to rail and by continuing to drive incremental locomotive efficiency, we can really have a positive impact in reducing GHG emissions. So I would say the fact that rails are four times more fuel efficient than long-haul trucking is definitely a strategic advantage. Uh, So for companies wanting and needing to take action, modal conversion to rail is an obvious solution. Now, I just want to assure everyone, uh, especially all of our customers and those uh, listening to the podcast, that I'm not completely naive. GHG emissions are one factor, one that continues to grow importance, but certainly we recognize that to attract a growing share of our customers' freight, service, ease of doing business, and the cost competitiveness of the end-to-end supply chain are all still table stakes. Drysdale says CN leads the railway industry in locomotive fuel efficiency, consuming about 15% less fuel per gross ton mile than the North American average. We've improved our locomotive emissions intensity by over 40% since 1993. And that strong track record of fuel and carbon efficiency has enabled us to decouple our growth from our carbon emissions meaning we are moving more of our customers' goods with less GHG emissions. But we are not satisfied. You know, given that roughly 85% of our GHG emissions come from our locomotive fleet, that's where our primary focus continues to lie. Unfortunately, there's no silver bullet solution. 
Instead, we take a silver bucket approach and we're pushing five key levers. Investing in upgrading our locomotive fleet, increasing our use of fuel-efficient technologies, leveraging big data, improving our operating practices, and the other lever that's emerging that we see as being really quite important over the next five to ten years is renewable fuels. In conversation with CN's David Shednovic, Drysdale says CN has launched a pilot project to test biodiesel and renewable diesel. We've improved our load. So this pilot will allow us to better understand the long-term durability and operational impacts of renewable fuels on our locomotives, especially in cold weather, uh, and will enable us to plan for any required modifications. So we'll be undertaking trials of up to 100% bio-based diesel. Renewable fuels will play a critical role in enabling all North American railways to meet their 2030 climate targets. And beyond rail, renewable fuel will also be key for the aviation industry's decarbonization efforts. So renewable fuel is a market primed for a boom. There will be a significant increase in demand that is completely unmatched by the current supply. David, you know the agricultural industry far better than I do, but from what I see, renewable fuel is possibly the biggest change in the agricultural space since ethanol in the early 2000s. It's a really great example of capitalizing on the transition to a lower carbon economy. I would agree with that 100%, Janet. This is true sea change in the ag space. This is the biggest change in the market since ethanol. Uh, and a lot of development on both sides of the border in Canada and the U.S. with a lot of touch points for CN as we see, see the expansion of renewable diesel production, the expansion of the production of renewable diesel feedstocks to meet that demand. It is very exciting times, and we are going to see a lot of change here over the next couple of years. Now, in terms of uh, locomotive fuel sources, can you discuss some future trends? What's the expected pace of the adoption of hydrogen or battery electric locomotives? And what technology do you think will dominate? So um, as we think about the path to net zero 2050, and now I'm mostly talking beyond 2030, we do expect a range of alternative propulsion locomotive technologies. CN is very pleased to have recently announced its purchase of Wabtec's FlexDrive battery electric locomotive, which when used in a consist operation, can reduce overall fuel consumption emissions by up to 30%. These kinds of pilots will help open the door to the wider deployment of new locomotive technologies. Janet Janet Drysdale is the Vice President of Sustainability at CN Rail. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mixed across the province this past week. Livestock development official Lexi Hicks-Maxa says feeder steers were down and heifers were mixed. Well, this past week, the feeder steer prices were down across the reported weight categories. 
prices range from 260-67 per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 pound weight category to 186-89 per hundredweight for the 900 plus weight category. The smallest price decrease was seen in the 5 to 600 pound weight category with a price decrease of about 17 cents per hundredweight to finish the week off at 225 per hundredweight. The largest price decrease was seen in the 8 to 900 pound weight category with a price decrease of about $3.66 per hundredweight to finish the week off at 188.67 per hundredweight. When looking at the average weekly prices for Saskatchewan's feeder heifers, we saw both ups and downs across the reported weight categories. The prices range from 208.75 per hundred weight for the 3 to 400 pound weight category to 171.67 per hundred weight for the 800 plus pound weight category. The only price increase reported was seen in the 5 to 600 pound weight category with an increase of about $5.29 per hundredweight to finish the week off at 194.29 per hundredweight. The largest price decline was seen in the 4 to 500 pound weight category with a decrease of about $5.08 per hundredweight to finish the week off at 275 per hundredweight. What were the factors behind these changes? Well, right now we are seeing a lot of different factors at play when looking at the price of calves this week. Everything from the availability of grain all the way to the prices of grain. Uh, we are also looking at a jump in numbers of head hitting the winter market at this time. What were marketings? So CanFax reported a total of 18,718 head of cattle sold in Saskatchewan this week, which is up significantly from the 6,274 head marketed during the week ending January 14th and higher than the 17,802 head of cattle marketed during the same week in 2021. What happened with market-ready cattle prices? So... We saw an increase in the fed cattle price for Alberta fed steers this week compared to the previous week. There was about a price increase of $4.97 per hundredweight from January 14th to average out at $160.29 per hundredweight on January 21st. When looking at the call cow market, the price of the D2 slaughter cow saw a price increase of $2.84 per hundredweight to average out at $77.42 per hundredweight, while the price of D3 slaughter cow stayed steady at a price of $66 per hundredweight. Lexi Hicks-Maxa with the Ministry of Agriculture compiles the weekly cattle market update. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were reflecting downward movement in early trading. Viterra prices for Durham declined $9.19 at $6.89.36. Canola fell $3.30 at $9.27.42. Number one red spring wheat went down 10.62 at $425. The rest were unchanged. Feed barley 383.64, flax 12.71, lentils 887.50, oats 471.53, yellow peas 629.22, and feed wheat 261.65. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat fell 25 and a half cents at 9.21 and three quarter cents a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source 620 CKRM. 
of the Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, the latest livestock quotations. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of January 25th. We had a regular sale here on January 19th. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.64 cents to $0.74. Cents. D3 cows sold from $0.53 cents to $0.63. Cents. Good butcher bulls sold from $0.90 cents to $0.95. Cents. We had our first pre-sorted calf and yearling sale here on the 17th. The market has been strong. 400 to 450 pound steers averaged $2.32 and sold up to $2.54. 450 to 500 pound steers averaged $2.34 and sold up to $2.54. 500 to 550 pound steers averaged $2.30 and sold up to $2.44. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged $2.23 and sold up to $2.32. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged $2.12 and sold up to $2.27. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $2.04 and sold up to $2.18. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $1.95 and sold up to $2.06. And 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $1.90 and sold up to $1.93. Heifers were about 20 to 30 cents back from the steers. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. There's no quote yet available for the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Yesterday's quote was $179.54 per CKG. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. The Saskatchewan government says remediation activities at the abandoned Newcore mine site near Creighton in northeast Saskatchewan is complete. This work is the first of six remediation projects to be completed as part of the province's commitment to resolve abandoned mine sites on Crown land and reduce the number of contaminated sites in the province. Environment Minister Warren Kading says the work benefits public health and safety as well as the environment. Work involved covering contaminated waste, rock and soil, a permanent cover over the mine shaft and removal of building foundations. The province also contoured and did revegetation of the site. Work at the mine site took 13 weeks and was within the $1.6 million cost estimate for the project. The ministry is asking local residents not to disturb the new topsoil and harm the growth of new vegetation. Remediation of the five other abandoned mine sites will proceed in coming years. On the markets, the TSX is up 238 points at 20,829. The Dow has risen 323 points to 34,620. Oil is up $2.07 to 87.67 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 21 hundredths of a cent at 79.37 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.